Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Chris and Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. But what I want to share with you today is something that I've come to learn to value, highly value. And I'm going to share a message. I think it's a rather simple message. I don't know if I'm going to say anything new to you, but my goal this morning is to encourage and exalt you, encourage and, and, and encourage and exhort you. That's the word I'm looking for into something. I hope by the end of this message, I have made you so hungry for the presence of God, so hungry for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, that something will be resonating within you, that you will voluntarily stand up and say, I want more. I want more of him. I want more of this relationship with Jesus. I want more. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian believers, he's concluding his second epistle to them. And he begins by writing, he says, finally, that means I'm wrapping things up and you guys have come to know and experience over the years that I've pastored you that when I I say finally, it means absolutely nothing. But when Paul says finally... He's wrapping things up. And so these words that he imparts are not just a benediction. They're not just the ending of an epistle. But they are pointed and they are strategic and they are helping this body of believers position themselves to move forward and into all that God has for them. And so he says, finally, brethren, farewell. Now that word farewell, when we hear it in our language, we think, well, that's kind of a, 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 an ending to a season and uh, we, the emotions that we have with it are, are just kind of like sober and all of this. But our, our English language doesn't do that word justice because in the Greek, that word means rejoice. He says, finally, brethren, After all that I've said and all that I've done and all of my experiences with you, he says, as we come to the conclusion of this moment, rejoice. Be complete or become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. As he concludes his thoughts with the Corinthian believers, he begins by saying, this is a time to rejoice. And I would say the same to each and every one of you. As we transition into the new call that God has placed upon our lives. Listen, this is, yes, it's sober. And yes, we have emotions. And yes, we will carry all of those emotions. But listen, this is a time for rejoicing. 
Because God is up to something bigger than each and every one of us. God is up to something bigger than Chris and Joan Wood. God is something up into something bigger than, than Mark and Katie Scorzone. God is up to something bigger than Zion Fellowship. So this is a new season to us for us to position ourselves to be ready for what God is about to do. Can I get an amen? amen. Rejoice. Come on, turn to a neighbor and say, be happy. I'm not trying to talk you into happiness. I'm just saying this is a biblical command. Be happy and rejoice in the Lord. That is the strength of God's people. Amen? Amen. But then he says something interesting. He says, become complete. That word complete in the Greek is a very interesting word. It is also translated in some of your versions as mature. Become mature. Be strengthened, he says. Now, the actual Greek word is an interesting word, and it says something along this lines. It says to be complete or to be mature means that you have made yourself into what you ought to be. You've matured. Another way to put it is whatever is out of sync in you in relationship to the kingdom of God and the will of God, get it in sync. Become mature. Don't be a child in the kingdom of God. Don't be a teenager in the kingdom of God. Become mature in the kingdom of God. It actually means get in sync with the will of God. Get in sync with the kingdom of God. It's the same thing that he said when he talked about the fivefold ministry and how it works in the body of Christ when he was writing to the Ephesian believers. He says, the fivefold ministry is given to the body of Christ so that they might equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And then further on in that verse of scripture, it says, so that they might become a perfect man, a complete man, a mature body. It literally means to reset a broken bone. I need to allow the Holy Spirit to move in such a way in my life as I come in alignment with the Word of God that the maturing that the... That's what Paul means when he says, be mature, be complete. How many of you just want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and say, set every broken bone in me, set everything in me, Make it right. Make it real. This is what he says. He says, do that. He says, be of one mind or be encouraged or be consoled or be comforted. Be of the same mind. Be agreeable. Turn to your neighbor and say, be agreeable. There is something about the body of Christ in this hour. That the way we love one another, I am convinced of this, the way that we love one another is going to be a testimony to a world that cannot find agreement on any issue. But then there's going to be this strange group of people who come from a diverse, thank you, background. I'm 67. My words lose, get lost sometimes. Look at the diversity in this room. And it's only by the Spirit of God that we could ever find any reason to agree about anything. I mean, Mark likes the Miami Dolphins. That in and of itself 
should cause most of us, not just the Patriots, but the Bills fans. We've got issues now with Pastor Mark. But the Spirit of God says, be agreeable. So guess what I have to do? I have to like Mark. And even those that root for the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, Jay. But he says, listen, be at peace or live in peace. And this is what I love. He says, if you will allow yourselves to not only become complete and be encouraged with good comfort and and be agreeable and live at peace with one another. He says, when you begin to do that, you create an atmosphere. Now watch this, where the God of love and peace will be with you. The very author, the very promoter of love and peace, he will be with you. And he says, so therefore, greet one another with a holy, consecrated kiss. And all the saints, they, they send their greetings to you. And this is where we're going to drill down now. And he concludes in verse 14 by saying, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen, or so be it. Where I want to drill down is I want you to note with me in those few verses that we've looked at that Paul is wanting something for this Corinthian church. He's wanting, first and foremost, that they would get things in order. Not only personally, but as a congregation. Get everything in order. Be mature. If there's anything out of sync with the kingdom of God in your life, if there's anything out of sync in regards to the will of God for your life, get it in order. Listen, we are living in an hour where it's time to stop messing around and it's time to start being a mature body of believers where we get whatever is out of sync in our lives with the kingdom and will of God in sync. No excuses. A number of years ago, Cindy Jacobs stood on this platform and she announced that this would be a place where it would be a no excuse zone. Now the context was no excuse not to do what God has called you to do. That was the context. But I want to say to you that if there's anything out of sync in your life that is not lining up with the will of God, the character of God, the kingdom of God, this is a no excuse zone. Don't use excuses, well, my past life, or this or that. Listen, it is time to become a mature people. Slap somebody upside the head and say, let's get mature. Not literally, don't do it. Mark, don't do it. And that's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians, because if you read both epistles, you'll see that even though the Corinthians were lovers of God, they had all kinds of messy situations going on in their church. And Paul's saying, listen, there's not time for that. Align yourself with the will of God. Align yourself with the kingdom of God. And be a mature people. That's his prayer. And that is my prayer for Zion Fellowship. I have watched you guys grow in the things of the Lord. And I've know, I know some of you better than I know others. But listen, I have been so blessed to watch you deal with the issues of your life in order that you might align yourself with God's will and purpose. And I'm saying don't stop now.
Keep doing it. Give somebody a high five and say, keep going. Come on, keep going. The second thing is he says, and this is, this is, I, I love this because I think this is Zion Fellowship. He's saying, I, I want you to be matured, but I also want you to have a deep and expressive love amongst yourselves. Have affection for not only the Lord, but have affection for one another. Truly care for one another. How many of you know that God is doing that amongst us? I just love to watch how you guys love each other. And so I'm going to have to come back, you know. We're going to be traveling. We're going to be doing things. But I'm going to have to come back for that fix. I really am. I'm going to have to come back and just sit here for that fix and just say, hey, I need a little loving today. I'm looking at you, girl. All right. And I mean the good kind of love, not the crazy kind of loving. I'm talking about biblical love. I'm talking about consecrated love. That's why he says, listen, greet one another with a holy kiss. There's nothing weird about that if it's consecrated and holy and unto the Lord. Big John Cleary, one of my dearest friends in this place, who stands at least three heads over me, whenever he greets me, there's nothing weird in this, he kisses me on the forehead. And says, I love you. That's a holy kiss. That's a consecrated kiss. That's a kiss of love and affection that I will never get enough of. Nor will I ever tell him to stop because he could crush me in a moment. But Paul's saying, don't lose sight of that. And I'm saying Zion Fellowship, this is, a, this is what marks us as a people. With all of our diversity, we're such lovers. And we can love people who walk through the door. Listen, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and do something right now. You know me. Come on. Come on. Stand up. I don't get to do this many more times. I'll do it every time I come to visit. I'm going to do this. Every time. we Listen. Pastor Mark read a powerful portion of the book of Isaiah to us. And as he was reading it, I said, we've got to move in a prophetic act towards it. And he said, there'll come a season, Isaiah said, there'll come a season where you will speak to the north and you will say, north, give them up. And then you'll turn to the south and you'll turn and you'll say, south, give them up. And I think I'm, my directions are good here so far, okay. And you'll, you'll turn to east. Okay, see, I knew I was going to blow it. Okay, so it really doesn't matter. Just turn and start saying, give it up, give it up. No, no, let's do this. Let's look to the north. I think this is the north. Am I good? Okay, and just say, listen, with me, a prophetic act. Listen, this is a house that was established. And the day that this house was established, the day we dedicated this building, a prophet stood up and said, get ready because I'm sending the prodigals back to you. And how you receive the prodigals will matter because you can either receive the prodigals as the elder son or you you can receive the prodigals like the father and you can either have a father's heart or an elder son heart. You choose because what you choose will determine how you receive. And I remember Pastor Bob standing up and he says, there is no choice. We are being an expression of the father's heart. 
And I'm telling you right now, there are some of you, I felt this. How many of you have a prodigal child? Come on, step into the aisles. Step into the aisles if you've got a prodigal child. Come on. I don't know if they're in the north, south, east, or look at this. Look at this. I don't know if they're in the north, south, east, or west, but we're calling them home. We're calling them home. Come on, we're calling them home. They have a destiny in God. They have a destiny in this house. And we just can't give up on them, can we? We just can't stop. We've got to keep calling out. We've got to keep believing. And we've got to step into the promise of God that says, I will bring them home. So let's go to the north and say, north, give them up. And let's turn to the south. South, give them up. Let's turn to the west or the east and say, east, give them up. And now the west, I guess. Let's go west, give them up. Come on, let's believe for it in Jesus' name. You may be seated. And I just want all of you who have prodigals in your life to know, you know Joan and my story. And we dealt with a prodigal son who is now a lover of God. We didn't give up on God and we didn't give up on him and we are so grateful for what God has done in his life. I still gotta talk to him about the video that he sent, but <laughs> I'm telling you, and every one of us in this room know at one time or another we were prodigals too. I know I was away from God and it took a loving group of people to show me the face of Jesus. And you guys are just such a wonderful expression of Jesus. So come on, let's not leave that. That's what Paul was saying. He's saying, don't lose that. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And then thirdly, he says, listen, I am praying, I am believing that you will be a people who live under the blessings of heaven. When he talks about the grace of God and he talks about the love of the Father and he talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about being a people who live under the blessing of heaven. And that's where I want to take you this morning. I want to talk to you about one particular thing that I consider in my own life of highest value. I love the grace of God. I love the fact that Jesus Christ left his glorious majesty in heaven and came to earth and became a man, fully God, fully man. And he took upon himself, as Joan walked us through that this morning, through communion, he took upon himself our sin in obedience to the Father. We know that the scripture says that the Father sent the Son and it was all out of love. And so we've all been recipients of not only the grace of God, but the love of God as it's been expressed by the Father through the Son. But then Paul says, and don't forget about the communion of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you in the next few minutes that I have with you because I have found this to be one of the most misunderstood but one of the most important aspects of your Christian experience. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit, communion with 
the Holy Spirit. So what is it? So if, if you just do a simple word study, this is what you would find. If you jump into a dictionary, you would find that the dictionary takes the word communion or fellowship, and it says it's a companionship. It's, a, it's an association. It's a comradely experience. It's the sharing or exchanging of an intimate thought or feeling, especially when the exchange is on the mental or spiritual level. And so so I read that and I said, yeah, but that's not enough for me. I've got to go a little deeper. I've got to understand what is Paul talking about? What is he pointing at when he stresses the importance of fellowship in the Holy Ghost, fellowship in the Holy Spirit. You follow Paul's writings and you see him saying it again in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, there it is again, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. And so I I, I, I pursued this and jumped into this. Uh, depending on your versions, you're going to have, some of you are going to have fellowship of the Spirit. Some of you, if you have a new King James or King James, communion of the Spirit. The Latin actually says the communication of the Spirit. And I think it's leading us somewhere. This idea of of communion or fellowship in the New Testament language, which is Greek. The New Testament language, it's the word koinonia. You've heard it before. But this idea of koinonia in the spirit means partnership, participation, uh, benefacting, uh, uh, communication, communion, distribution, and fellowship. In other words, it's a level of closeness and intimacy to the point where not only is the Holy Spirit communicating to you, but you are communicating with him. I think that's a slide if you want to pop it up there. A level of closeness. Paul says, I want you to recognize not only the grace of God in your life, not only the love of the Father upon your heart, but I want you to understand that you have been called into an intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit where not only does he talk to you, but you get to talk to him. And when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I want to drill down here for you. Because listen, if, if you've got an understanding of the Holy Spirit as the essence of God or, or uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the force of God or something like that, you're missing entirely what the Scripture is teaching. Because when the Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit, it's talking about a, a dynamic, divine person who lives on the inside of you. The third person of the Trinity. How many of you have ever studied the Trinity and gone, I can't get my head around this. How does this work? Listen, part of the reason the Trinity is the Trinity and part of the reason why it's hard for you to understand is because you will never understand God in his fullness. His ways are higher than your ways, my ways, different, all of this. But the Trinity can simply be explained this way, that we serve a God. We are a Trinitarian body. That means we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. 
What does that mean? That means we believe in one God and only one God who exists in three persons. They are equal and they are eternal. They are worthy of equal praise and equal worship. They are distinct, yet they function or they act in unity. And that's what constitutes the one true God of the Bible. So I'll let George Ruder do a more in-depth study of the Trinity with you. He's not going to. He just did this. Not doing it? That was good enough? All right. But here's how I want you to consider with me what Paul is talking about when he talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You as a believer, if you are born again, if you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, from that moment when you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and be the Lord and Savior of my life, this is what the New Testament teaches. From that very moment, the Holy Spirit came and he made your heart, your spirit, his dwelling place. But not just for a moment, not just while you're behaving, not just while you're good. Forever. When the Bible says that he dwells in your spirit, that word dwell is a Greek word that speaks of permanence. Don't ever get the idea that the Holy Spirit comes and goes as you behave or misbehave. Now you can grieve the Spirit of God, but he never leaves you. That was the promise of Jesus, wasn't it? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Well, how can he make that statement? Because he knew that he and the Father were sending the Spirit. And as being one, the Spirit would come and dwell in your spirit permanently. Not as a transient. Not as somebody who is, is, is so emotionally fragile that if you mess up, he leaves. He is the indwelling divine person of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the challenge. Have you opened your heart fully to him? Have you opened your spirit fully to him? How many have ever had somebody come over to your house and, uh, you know, you've got that room upstairs that you've never completely organized and it's kind of a mess. And so when you have people coming in, what do you do before they get there? You shut the door and you say, nobody can go there. Don't look. When we're talking about the communion of the Holy Spirit, it's where we're opening our life to the degree that we're opening every room of our life to him. We're giving him full access to our lives. It's where we, we value and we cultivate our friendship with the Spirit in an intentional way. And one of the ways that you do that is by communicating, by talking. You say, well, Chris, how does, how does that work? Listen, a vibrant walk with the Spirit is essential in our quest to experience more of God. It's Jesus who said, it's for your benefit that I go, because if I go, I will send another comforter, and he will come, and he will be with you. 
and he will teach you of my ways and he will comfort you and he will direct you. Have any of you ever had a problem discerning the will of God for your life? When you're having a problem discerning the will of God, how many of you stop and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me God's will for my life? It's his job. Guess what he'll do? He'll answer you. He'll communicate with you. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is not just about getting in the prayer room and throwing up all of your petitions and saying, okay, now God, do something. Prayer is about getting with God, communing with God in the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to work deep truth within you. I couldn't leave anything more valuable with you than to tell you, pursue the life of the Spirit. Become a person of the Spirit. Walk in the spirit be led by the spirit James says it this way he says or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously now the context of this is very very interesting when you go into James chapter 4 you realize that he begins that chapter by saying what is it what is it? He asks this question. He goes, what is it that causes conflicts within you? What is it that causes the wars and the arguments? What is it that, that is working in you that, that, that causes you to, to have a difficult time with other people? That's my paraphrase. He says, isn't it, isn't it the, the stuff in you that you've just not worked out? And then in the midst of this conversation, he interjects verse 5 and says, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? It's like, okay, Paul, were you have, I mean, James, were you having a bad day? That verse doesn't seem to fit with the logic that you're just laying out. But if you look at it in its full context, you understand what what James is saying. He's saying, listen, did you somehow, in the midst of all of your quarrels, in the midst of all of your struggles, in the midst of all of your disagreements, in the midst of all of the things that wore on the inside of you, did you stop and forget that you have the indwelling Holy Spirit dwelling in you permanently? He's made his home within you. And have you forgotten that because he lives within you, he yearns jealously for you? Now, this word yearning is actually the Greek word lust. Now, when you hear the word lust, what goes off in you? Is that a positive word or a negative word? Typically negative because we teach in this church that you should not give in to the lusts of the flesh, that you shouldn't lust after this and you shouldn't lust after that. But here, the Holy Spirit, who is holy, says, I lust for you. And it's the best word James can use to describe to us this intense, excessive yearning or desire that the Holy Spirit has for fellowship with you. The Holy Spirit desires, he yearns intensely to be in communication with you. Let that settle in for a second. Little old you, 
the God of the universe who dwells within you is saying, I yearn for you. I desire you. I desire relationship with you. Don't turn a deaf ear to a God who is saying, don't ever forget that I dwell within you and I yearn for communion with you. And you say, or I say, yeah, but I'm not that good. He says, it's not about your goodness. It's about my grace. Yeah, but I'm not that good. It's not about your goodness. It's about my love. Yeah, but I'm not that good. He says, no, it's not about your goodness. It's about my desire to be with you and to love you and express that love in such a way that you are transformed in the midst of your junk. And I stand before you as one who is in process still. But the one thing I do, the one thing I pursue, the one thing I go after is not some kind of a calling. I don't go after some kind of a definition in my life. I don't go after some kind of title. No, what I'm going after is a deep-rooted relationship whereby the dwelling Spirit of God who is in my life, I am after Him as much as He is after me. Saying, I want to know you, God. I want to, he says, I want you to know me. How do you do it? Through communion with the Holy Spirit. He has this intense desire. Now watch this, and some of you are going to get uncomfortable with this. He wants to possess you. He just doesn't want some of you. He doesn't want you just on your good days. He doesn't want you just when you're feeling holy and power-filled and full of the Word of God. You know those good days when you come out of the, the prayer closet and you're soaked in the Word of God, your, your heart is saturated in the will of God and the purposes of God, and you're overflowing, and, and he's like, oh, now, yeah, I'll take you now. Oh, he loves that. But here's what I've learned. When I'm dragging myself out of bed, I'm saying, oh, I can't wait to see so-and-so today. <laughs> because I know what they've got to say. I can't wait. And, and, and my attitude is rotten. And, and I kick the non-existing cat in my house. <laughs> there is no cat in my house. I don't kick animals. But they're invisible, so you can... And you're just having one of those kind of days and you think that God doesn't want to have anything to do with you and he's saying, no, I dwell within you. I desire you. I desire a relationship with you. Listen, it's not about your goodness because you'll never be good enough. It's about my grace. It's about my love. And I'm calling you to myself. Will you allow yourself to open every part of your life? Will you allow yourself to be touched by every part of my being? Because I desire you. The Holy Spirit desires to possess you, all of you. Now, here's what I've learned after decades of following God. That I can come to a service and surrender myself in an authentic, intentional way and have an encounter with God at the altar and it be life-changing and transformational. 
And I can get up from that knowing that God has done something fresh in my life, something real in my life, something powerful in my life, that there's no going back. There's nothing that, that I need to regret because God has consumed it all with his fire. And, and now I am I'm that new creature in Christ. I'm moving forward. I've been redeemed. I've been all of that. God is working in my life, and, and it's powerful. And then I wake up Monday morning, and what is God looking for? More surrender. You see, sometimes we think, yeah, but you know what? That one, that one service, Chris, doesn't that carry us for a number of weeks? If I can say anything to you today is live a surrendered life to the Lord, not just on Sundays, not just in special meetings, but every day of your life, wake up and realize that he has such a desire, such a passion, such a yearning, such a lusting to be in relationship with you that he's saying, I'm looking for new surrender today. There was a lot of hallelujahs just then. But I'm serious. I, I have learned to, to understand that, that it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. What happens today is important in my relationship with God. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And great is his desire for you to surrender again and again and again. Communion with the Holy Spirit is where we take the promise of the Father and we relish the fact that he wants to be with us. He really wants to be with us. Now here's the product that comes from that. Jesus said it this way, and I'm almost done. And Elizabeth, if you and the team would come up. But watch this. Let me take you here. John chapter 7. Here's what he's looking for. He says, and on the last day, verse 37 of chapter 7 in John, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he, Jesus, cried out. That's what That means he raised his voice. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Because he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And that's where he concluded. And then that's when John wrote later, because he now understood some things. He said, by this, he spoke concerning the spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I stand before you today and say, Jesus is glorified. Why do I know that? Because he rose on the third day from the dead. And after days of teaching his disciples, we are taught that the Bible says that he ascended in their eyesight to the right hand of the Father. And Jesus promised, he said, when I go to the Father, I will not leave you alone, but I will send you another comforter and he will come and he will dwell within you forever. And then John goes, oh, he said that when he dwelled in me, it would be like a river flowing from me, flowing 
out of me, flowing through me. Now, a lot of times we like the river analogy because we just want to get in the river and get wet and get, have a Holy Goose bump time. But the point that Jesus was making is if you would just understand how much I desire a relationship with you, that I yearn for it. Why? So that I might fill you and I might touch every area of your life so that when you touch other people's lives, they're not touched with your brokenness. They're not touched with your issues. But what they're touched with is the very flow of my presence coming from you to them. Madison, if you and your team would come. I want to do this this morning. This is a prayer ministry team that is in the developmental stage, if I can say it that way. Madison has been doing the teaching along with Pastor Mark. I sat in one of the sessions. This is a group who, listen, don't look at me, turn around. This is a group of people who have this yes in their heart that all they want to do is minister to others. All they want to do is pray for others. All they want to do is be vessels of God's grace. And so I told Madison, I said, Madison, get your team ready because I'm going to put them on the spot. Here's what I want to ask you. Could you all stand to your feet? How many of you have something working in you that says, I just want more. I just want more of Him. I want more of His presence. I want more of His grace. I want more of His love. I want to go deeper. I want my life with God to be richer. I want it to be fuller. And I want the Holy Spirit to burn in me. I want Him to burn in me. I want Him to burn away those those crusty areas of my life. I want to I wanna open every door of my heart to the Lord so that, so that I'm in this rich communion with God. If that's your heart today, I want you to come to the front right now. Don't wait to see who else is moving. If that's your heart today and you're saying, I want someone just to come in agreement and all this group of people are going to do is they're going to pray over you and pray a prayer of agreement that your hearts would burn. There was a song while we were on vacation that Elizabeth introduced, I guess, about a month ago. I hope you remember it. Because as I listened to it on the internet, something happened to me. I, You know, some people had told me, you know what, Chris, it does translate. It does kind of over the airwaves. Something's happening. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I really still like the live thing, you know. But when you don't have any options, you tune in. And then, so I'm not saying anything to you live stream folks. You're wonderful. Praise the Lord. But when Elizabeth started singing this song, I cannot explain it to you guys because it was a God thing. But the words that she and the team began to sing came through the computer, touched my heart. My heart began to burn. I'm literally telling you, I had an experience where the Spirit of God came so powerfully upon my life that I just wept in front of a computer screen. And I said, God, I want to burn like that for you. I want my whole life to be consumed with your presence. I want, I want the, the way that you yearn for me, I want to yearn that way for you. And that's what I'm leaving to you. 
as your senior pastor, as this is the last time I get to say something like this to you, as your senior pastor, oh, you wait, when I come back in the apostolic thing, you better get ready. But as your senior pastor, this is what I want to exhort you to run after. A relationship with God where something's working in you and you're saying, with the same intensity, God, that you yearn for me, I want to yearn for you. I want to love you like you love me. And I'm not going to let any more excuses. So some of you today, I'm telling you, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to leave your excuses at the altar. Some of you, you're going to have to leave your brokenness at the altar. Because these have all been reasons to not go deeper in God. You allow the adversary to speak to you and say, listen, others may, but you may not because you're such a wreck. Listen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus says, no, this is what you need to learn. I dwell within you and I lust for relationship with you. I yearn for it. I desire it. Hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.